0: Please.
1: was your uh, perspective with uh the disco influence coming in to the scene you know and and how that changed things
0: well with me i didn't I, you know to me when disco came in there was nobody to me there wasn't nobody with the bullish people in us i always figured you know it was okay they got this thing called disco and just so happened that I was playing disco and didn't even really—it wasn't even called disco because when I cut uh, "Bad Luck and "The Love I Lost," that made the Blue Notes a disco group. So I guess they had to have a a name for it. I mean, I didn't—I never went in the studio and said, "I'm going to cut a disco record." I just went in the studio and said, "I'm going to cut a Earl Young groove," and it just so happens that. Uh, the disco people love that groove, especially the disc jockeys, because they can mix it, you know, I, I'll record at like a 120 speed and it was, you know, so the disc jockeys can blend it in at that speed, because I knew they, they mix and they and, and they mix at a 120, so I said, well, let me cut something, everything I cut, I'm going to cut it right there so they can so they can mix it in, and that's what kind of helped our records get played because the jocks, the club jocks I'm talking about basically because that's who broke our records, the club jocks. Not so much the radio, but the club jocks broke it in the clubs. And once it broke in the clubs, then the stations picked it up because the stations used to follow the clubs. And we worked every club in New York, you know, even a little bar with a disco ball hanging down. So we worked everywhere.
1: When when did you do you remember when you first heard the term though? You're like doing this music and it's what it is and then you hear someone just say disco and you're probably like, disco? Right?
0: Well, I guess when we cut when we cut Where the Happy People Go, you know, that was before Disco Inferno. So I guess that was I guess that was our little thing going into the going into the disco field. But disco is it's the same as dance music, you know, just, just gave it a name. You know, and uh, even even when they start destroying the burning the, the <laughs> yeah. burning the backlash the yeah. and stuff like that you know it didn't hurt us because we always worked we always worked they can burn all the albums they want to but
1: um, when, when I first heard when I first started hearing the term it seems to me I was hearing you know like Van McCoy's The Hustle and stuff like that probably around '74 or something like that is when I first remember hearing like disco getting thrown around as a as a genre. Well,
0: well, disco really came from the slogan "discotheque," you know, from just called the club discotex. So uh, just George for disco, I saw this dance, you know. But I didn't never go into time to cut no disco records, except for where the happy people go. I because we cut "Hold Back the Night," which is one of our hits, and uh, we didn't we didn't cut not Disco Inferno. Was one of the songs that we had cut Disco, because that, that came from the uh, the Towel Inferno movie with the fire up on the roof. Remember that? I so that's where that, that's where that song originally was written. You know, not about the tragedy, but the fact, the idea of the party up on the roof, where we say, oh, no. Oh, yeah,
1: remember you know, o- OJ was in that movie. <laughs> A lot right. of stars, yeah. yeah.
0: But, but, but that's where. Um, you know, and the funny thing, that's that song got into a, it was the last song to go into the Saturday Night Fever album. The last one I have, you know, I, I have a, a, I have where they sent me from Saturday Night Fever here. You know, I'm probably one of the few that have it, you know, and um, Saturday Night Fever. I won, I won a Grammy for that one. I won two Grammys on the same album. Set wanted for mfsb on there for kg so i got a grammy for kg i got a grammy for uh so i'm standing there with as a drummer and as a singer and that to me that was fantastic man to get on the same album for two different groups mfsb and and the tramps and i played a big part in both of them you know but the bgs got all the credit right but that's okay but that's 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 fine I mean I feel like I was a big part of, of the success of the album cause it, was, a, it d- was it was, was
1: a double record. record there was a lot of music on there
0: yeah yeah but we only, we only had that one disco inferno but it, it made enough noise around the country because wherever, wherever the wherever the movie went we went so I got a chance to go to places I would have never in my life go to I couldn't afford to go to so it was so disco inferno the Saturday night fever did wonders for me you know, and it's still it's still it's still done because look, I just came out last year, but just in in the movie a television HBO special called Big Little Lives. And um, we were in uh season two, episode four. They can pull it up online on Big Little Lives. And we we appeared in there and got a little acting part and uh we sang Disco Inferno with you know with all the big Hollywood Hollywood with all the big stars in there, Mel Street, you know. So it was, it's, so it, you know, Disco Inferno had done well for me.
1: It's become timeless and I remember hearing it well before that movie, before Saturday Night Fever, I remember hearing it well before that.
0: Yes, it, it came out and it didn't really, uh, wasn't really big, you know, it did okay, R&B, but it didn't cross over really big. Yeah. Until Saturday, until Saturday Night Fever really took it to the miles.
1: Yeah. Um, congratulations on all that. I mean, that must have been just a whirlwind of excitement when that happened. I mean, Saturday Fever was such a phenomenon just all around. So. Yeah, but the
0: greatest look, look, look—the greatest some of the greatest things you, you know that that movie did it for me was it, it put me on. I met people that I would never, ever meet. I mean, I, I went to the White House twice. You know, we got invited to the White House twice, but Jimmy Carter was there. You know, I had pictures with that. I did the, uh, I got a chance to meet Oprah. We did the Oprah show. We did the Ricky Lake show. We did Wendy Williams show. I got a chance to do all the television shows with, with Disco Inferno. front of. So that that song carried, carried me places that, you know, I would I guess, and then, you know, I mean, the fact that I, the fact that, you know, being inducted into the Musicians Hall of Fame, how many, how many musicians get to go and be inducted into the Musicians Hall of Fame? It ain't easy to get inducted into that. And uh, probably my, my drums and stuff will wind up in the museum down there because uh, Joe Chambers who runs the uh, museum and, you know, he's a great, he's a great guy, man. And, um. I'll probably i probably put all my stuff down in Nashville.
1: Do you have a, uh, any count of how many records you've appeared on? Oh man, I I
0: played I played I played on well I know hundreds. Well, I know I got over fifty gold albums that I know, and and some of them, you know, I don't some, some of them I didn't even bother to even get. I mean, I got so many. You know because i said well this is enough you know because a lot of them was offered to me and i said well what well, i'm gonna do with them they just they just hang like wallpaper <laughs> it mean, only means something to me but uh i must have played on thousands of records some of them i get hits i don't even know i mean i mean we did we played for people that uh you know what happened when i go on facebook people, people pull up records and say you know, this is you. And I said, "What is that?" And and they play, and that's my first time hearing it. You know, it's so funny, my my first time hearing. You know, but I have my favorite songs, like like my face some of my favorite songs is like uh, the Dusty Springfield album that we did, "Brand New Me" and "Silly Silly Fool." That's one of my favorite albums because I think I think that, that woman could sing. I think she's a great artist. So, but, you know, her and, and Pickett and and uh, the OJs and B.B. Uh, King, you know, the stylistics. Mm-hmm. And the fact that each one of these artists are different. So you can't think yeah. of one like the other one, because you have to have a frame of mind that you're going into a different kind of music from each. Because the stylistics don't sound nothing like the OJs. So you so, so when But the fact is, people still know it's me on on playing drums on it, and it's entirely different. So I feel good about about having my own sound.
1: Yeah, in that vein, Earl, you know, I've read that people say that you have the equivalent of perfect pitch for drumming. I don't know if you've seen that term, infallible rhythm, I saw written. yeah. So, do you buy into that? Is it true? I mean, how do you feel you, about that?
0: Yes, I do, because I because because I got picked when I couldn't even read music. So, and I, and I used to wonder why, but I I, I found out I found out why because uh, I look at my drums is only an extension of me. When I look at my drums. They are an extension of how I feel. If you feel nothing, you get nothing. So when I look at my drums as a part of me, when I I play, it's not just playing the drums. I'm playing a part of me. This is an extension of me. When I sit sit behind them in the studio, they're they're just putting out what I'm feeling and thinking. And timing, timing is one of your most important things about playing drums. I don't care how fancy you are, timing is the most important thing. And my four on the floor, my four on the floor is like a clock. And that's always that's always been always been my clock. When I hit that, it's like a clock. It has to be on time. I used to time myself for the metronome. I, I used to put the machine up and time it to make sure that it was close to that. So when I hit the four on the floor, it's there, perfect.
1: Ever since those phone books and uh, coffee cans, huh?
0: Yeah, man, the phone books and coffee cans paid off. I tell you that. <laughs> I, I think about that. I think about that today, you know. And and uh, you know, a lot of drum, most drummers they practice speed. You know, like like I had a uh, uh, lot of drummers say, man, you know, you, you you gotta have speed. You know. I said, well, I don't really have to have have speed. I said, well, I said, the only thing I have to have is 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 the right timing. You don't have to have speed. I don't have to play fast, you know, because a drummer's job is is a drummer's job is to hold things together. It's not so much for you to uh, to leave everybody. My job has always been the foundation of an orchestra. When I hit when MFSB south soul orchestra i go in there thinking not that i'm going to show off and, and say i'm the baddest guy to, i'm going in there to lead the orchestra make sure that they're on time the timing is right the feeling is right and they're with me you know they're supposed to be with me If they're not with me they shouldn't be up on that stage because the drummer controls the whole action if he's wrong everybody's going to be wrong
1: Especially, so for, dan- especially for danceable dance music, yeah.
0: You have to be correct. And that's, that's what I basically base. These, <laughs> that's what my drums are to me. My, my, my drums are as they're, they're here to be a leader or orchestra, or any kind of session that I'm at. Because if you notice, most of my songs I recorded, they always have a fill out front. Most of them have a fill out front. Or if there's a hole in a record, I'll put a fill in it because I, I, I don't like empty spaces. So if you hear one of my records and there's a hole there, I put a drum thing in there, you know, to to fill it in to lead the singer into the next. Because most songs is made up of, of, of um, an intro, a verse, a sing-along verse, sing-along bridge, sing-along tag. Mm -hmm. that's where most songs are most songs are constructed you you know but they're not that way nowadays because because they're recording different now because they got the machine they didn't have no they didn't have no drum machine when i was recording there was no drum machines there was no click tracks in your ear to make you keep time if if i had to play with a click track then why why are you a drummer if you need a click track in your ear for you to keep time, I never understood that. Pretty common I though. Even, I never <laughs> seen no click tracks. Well, one I time they asked me to do a session to do a click track, and it's gonna pay me good. I turned it down because that's that's to, that's to me, you know, that's an idiot thing. If you got if I had something beating in my ear,
1: <laughs> like training wheels.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean something clicking in my ear, then you can hire anybody to do that. You know, you hire me to to play. So I, I don't care what you pay me. I refuse to ever use a click track ever.
1: How, how did how did you feel and respond when drum machines came in, like in the '80s?
0: I bought actually when drum machines when when uh um drum machines came in, the song called "Rocket" started it. Herbie, that, yeah. that was the yeah Herbie. That was the first time I heard some mechanical, all mechanical. I said, "Oh, this is." I knew it was going to end. For me, when that came out, because anytime you can use all this, all this mechanical stuff, and and people buy it, I say, oh, the end is coming. So when the drum machine came out, my job started getting slim. You know, people would people they were hiring programmers because they can hire one guy and he can program the whole session with strings and horns and stuff like that. But it couldn't get that. They couldn't get my, they can't program my sound because the way I play with my skip beats and fills, drum machines, you can't do that. Mm. So if you wanted a live sound or my sound, you can't get it on a drum machine. I've seen guys, they try it, you know, but you can't because I got that. It's change up. And I do that on purpose because I don't want anybody to be able to be programming me and then selling it or or using it on a record you know so uh, but when the drum machine came out i bought i bought a yamaha i bought a yamaha rx5 you know i bought one because i use it for um uh, play with and i bought the rx5 yamaha which is a pretty good was one of the first drum machine that you can mix on it i bought that because i can put a i can put it i can program a kunga player And I can have him playing along with me and um, uh, it's got sounds in it. But uh, I bought it for rehearsal parts, you know, you know, for me. But I would never somebody hire me to bring it to a studio. I would never do that. But uh, for technology, I always keep up with technology, whether I use it or not, because if you fall back and in technology, then, you know,
1: how did you feel about sampling when that came out? And um, I'm sure you were sampled a ton.
0: Oh, I love samples because
1: now that they're paying, right? <laughs> but at well, first,
0: I an album here is an album here by Fifty Cent. If you can see it, in, I don't know if you can see it here. It's
1: I can't see. 80. I can't tell it's Fifty Cent, but I can't. See. Oh yeah, I see the Fifty Cent on the uh, DVD there. Yeah. yeah. Well, they sampled CD.
0: They sampled my my song Rubber Band, and and what is that, five-time platinum. So when, so when you sample somebody's song, when you sell five-time platinum, it's like over $100,000. So, and then they sample, my, my same sample for Young Jeezy, same one, Young Jeezy samples it. Then over here, the same song, same one, rubber band, Mary J. Blonde, here, she sampled the same thing. They were the same record company, I guess. So.
1: Wow. Did, did you ever imagine that you'd see something like that?
0: Not, not till I seen the paycheck coming. <laughs> when I see the, the check come in, I said, well, I, look, I said, I have nothing against anybody sampling anything of mine, you know? So uh, most of the time, they don't sample too much anymore now. Mostly, you know, because music is, music is changing. but uh. Yeah, I had four artists sample one one little piece, of, and we're singing in the background of it also. So I, you know, that was a, you know, that was a great that was great to me. I say I I've I sent them some more stuff to sample.
1: Early on, though, they weren't paying like that. So,
0: well, they don't have to pay, but 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 you have I got attorneys, and there are ways. You know, when they sample, they have to go through through certain procedures, and I got some of the great attorneys that you could music attorneys, you know, to handle all my business. So, you know, ever since I started my record company, because they, ever since I got ripped off on my doo-wop song "Down by the Ocean" by the Exceptions, I learned that you know you because I didn't know when I was back then I didn't know nothing about publishing. Publishing writer's rights, you know, I, I just wanted to get up on stage and sing. I was a young guy made, mm-hmm. you know, wanted to get up and they gave me a t-shirt and a hamburger they told me <laughs> to go up there and sing and I was just happy to get in front of some people and sing. this guy was, This guy was making a, a tons of money But uh, that's how you learn, you know, you learn you get ripped off and you learn So I learned about publishing, by writer's rights, by sampling uh, the percentage and points, and um, that's taking care of me today. And at, at my eighty years, you know, if one for the, if, if things I didn't do back then to take care of myself, I wouldn't be having a job. I don't know what I would do now because I've been out of, I've been out of work since uh, the virus here. Mm. Um,
1: another thing I wanted to ask you about, Earl, is that you know. I'm a big funk music fan and one of the things that frustrated me in the seventy well, the late seventies to early eighties was when there was a backlash against disco. A lot of funk kind of got swept away with that. And I always thought, you know, funk was very different from disco, but they lumped it together. Could you kind of explain in a nutshell to viewers the difference rhythmically and drumming wise between what they call disco and funk? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, let's tell you one thing first. When disco came out, the ones that got hurt first was the rock and roll guys. They got hurt, they got hurt first. They, they lost, everybody was closing down making disco. And the difference between uh, the disco and the R&B funk was Disco is more forward, it's more forward, it's more like free dance, r b is more laid back into like a, like, I mean, you take like Memphis and uh, like, so laid back, laid back feel. So that's funk. So. Disco and funk is. It's two different kinds of music, really. You know, it's not going. It, it doesn't really come. It really doesn't come together. You can't put a laid-back groove, you know, uh, and then play this Disco is disco. Disco is all forward. Everything is here.
1: More high energy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And 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 R and B music. Is more laid back. R&B music can be slow, and R&B music can be fast. Disco is strictly about really dancing and up tempo. Although you can have some slow disco songs too, but when you go to a disco, you don't want to hear no slow songs. And, you know, you want the space to be sweating. When you go to an R&B place, you want to sit back on a seat. And either watch the artist singing, or or you or you just get up and groove like like I work a lot of the ships, you know, a lot of the crews. I do a lot of cruise work, and a disco cruise is not like r and B, not like r and B crew. R and B crews is different. They they uh they like to they, they like to sit back and really and enjoy the artist that's singing. You know, just sit back in the seats and just just watch, which is good, you know, but mostly at disco people want to be a part of what you're doing. They want to, you know, they want to get up and make noise and dance and, and sing along with you, you know, and um, which is all good, too. So it's it's really about to me, it's about what you like. You know, we don't sing too much R&B we don't we don't do R&B shows. We do basically all uh, dance shows. When when when, they, when we get booked, people come to dance, shout, turn that mother out. Burn, baby, burn. That's what they look for us to do. They don't look to sit down. And if they're sitting down, all I got to do is say get up and get in the aisles and they up right away. Dance in the aisles, up on stage dance. That's what we about. we about if you were back in the day, everybody used to go dancing back in the day. I mean, to, to the, uh, the the uh, discos. So we're just reviving. Most of the people that disc- back then now is my age. Some young, but they snuck in. Some is younger. But they were all dancing back then, you know, just like John Travolta did in the movie. So what we're doing, we're reviving their old, making them have memories of, of what they did when they were didn't have any children or or they were single and they had all that hair the guy Pol- polyester
1: and bell bottoms and yeah. yeah i teach you guys and
0: say yeah now you remember when you had all your hair up here now right it's all gone you know and they'd be laughing man and i said yeah and the women you didn't have no children you can go anywhere you wanted to go out. Right? you need no babysitters you know so we take them back to the good times when they were You know free and uh, and it's the same thing with R&B music too. the same thing because when it when they go when the R&B crowd go to army so they sit there and they can remember the day when they were dating and dancing in the house parties and so you know I guess without music the world wouldn't go
1: Uh, music touches you like nothing else can and and brings back memories like nothing else can
0: absolutely
1: uh, so yeah.
0: I feel lucky. I feel lucky to still be here, to uh, to be able to share a lot of great memories and still be able to perform. You know, I'm not as fast on my feet as I was in '79, but if I can still get down a little bit. You know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you do you ever get a little tired of playing some of those songs over and over again? How do you keep it fresh and fun for yourself?
0: Every time I jump in my car, my car, my truck, I hear one of my songs, you know, so, so I keep it. So I keep it tuned to Siri, I keep it on there. So when I get in there, who pops up? Where the happy people go? So it's always fresh to me when I hear it, you know, because as soon as I hear it, it give me a flashback, oh yeah, yeah, that was, that was that, man, that was, and like I said, one of our songs plays somewhere every day.
1: But I, I wouldn't mean when you're playing like those cruises and that kind of thing, and you're actually performing, how do you keep it fresh for yourself?
0: Oh, well, most of my original guys are gone. Most of the guys I have been with me like 30 years. Because we broke up, the trans broke up in 79. And I got new guys have been with me over 30 years. So we're like, we're like family. I mean, you know, Antoine... Antoine Young, Rennie Rankins, A.J. Jackson. These are my other three guys. We've been together for so long that uh, we like brothers. I mean, what we do is when we go on we go on stage, it's just like us, like we do in the pool, playing, playing pools. i okay. Let's go up and have some fun today, you know. And and we just just like having fun with people. It ain't like going. Oh, I gotta do a show. We're gonna work. I mean. We on stage, on and off, we the same. We party on stage and party off stage. So it's always new to us when we come to a new crowd. You know, we go, we go to Vegas. You know, same way. It's always exciting going to a new towns and seeing uh, people come up to you. Oh man, I remember you back then. I remember that. So that makes us feel uh, fresh and young when people say, "I remember this. I remember this song." I had my kid on this song and or whatever so people keep you refreshed you know is it, it, that's the that's the thing that keeps you going and especially when you get up and especially when you get up in age i mean i i've never been one to want to sit in mcdonald's and play checkers you know i gotta go man i'm, I'm look, you give me a give me a flight here or or, or uh, give me a, no i've been home now for, for quite a while with this virus. And it's, you, you know, it's, it's killing me. But uh, it's okay because I get a chance to spend a lot of time, you know, with my wife who, manage, who manages me and the group. And um, Sylvia, name is Sylvia. She she takes care of everything, all the business. So I've been home and being able to get some work done around the house. We've been able to spend more time together, you know. And so that means, it's, it's been mm-hmm. rough, but I like to get back to work again because, you know, I always like to, to stay busy and meet people, autographs and things like that.
1: I uh, saw looking at all your credits that, you know, you continued uh, recording at least into the 90s. I don't know how recent you've done more stuff, but I saw you listed with people like Phyllis Hyman and Evelyn King and things like that.
0: Yeah, but I never recorded with Evelyn. And then I didn't never record with Evelyn. Evelyn, um, she always had her own producer. I never did with her, although, although she's like a sister, you know, to me. Uh, and Phyllis Hyman, I did Phyllis Hyman stuff, you know, on a couple of days, I guess maybe a week or so before she passed. I did I did do some ballads on on Phyllis. And, um, but, uh I think she was one of the last Philadelphia acts that we've done.
1: So what was the last time you were in the studio making records, do you think?
0: Well, I only recorded at one studio in my whole life. That was Sigma Sound, the 12th and Race in Philadelphia. And, and that's, 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 that's closed down some time ago. So and when my partners, Norman Harris and Ronnie, when they passed, It kind of hurt me because I didn't I didn't really feel like doing sessions anymore because I had I've only played with them all my life. Mm -hmm. And when I wasn't able to play with them anymore, I kind of lost my uh, inspiration to to really make records. So I stopped doing sessions because, I mean, they were these guys been with me all my life. And um, since there hasn't been many sessions, I just don't do them. You know, I've been offered to do some sessions, but, you know, you know, without them, it's just not, it's just not the same. And Sigma Sound Studio is gone, you know. I do go, I'm not in Philly anymore, but I do go to Philly regular because, you know, I do have, you know, I'm blessed. I have five plaques in Philadelphia on the street. You know, I call them my stars. I have five, you know, two. I have one in front of the, the Academy of Music you know, with my name. And I have one in front of the Kimball Center in Philadelphia on Broad Street, the Tramps. And I have MFSBs on the street, you know. And um, the South Soul Orchestra, I have a plaque. So, you know, when I walk down the streets of Philadelphia on Broad Street, I can walk down and see all my, you know. And I feel great, I feel great about that, man, because, you know, as a kid, you know, growing up, you know, with holes in your shoes, but nothing. And one day to have your name put on a sidewalk—that means an awful lot because that'll be there when I'm gone.
1: Wow! Incredible, incredible, uh, Earl. Yeah. I,
0: but I never really—I never really considered myself like greatness. I, I never thought of myself like that. I've always been thankful and blessed for all the things that have that have happened good for me. But I never felt like. Well, I'm the bad or young. I'm the dude. I never felt like that because I think if you ever start feeling like that, you, you know, you eventually you'll lose. And I never wanna, I never wanna make myself think or feel that I'm better than anybody else because I still talk to the guy that picks up my trash every, you know, in the day. He's just as good as what I am. And I've always tried to keep myself low key like that because, you know. It doesn't make me any better than anybody else because i have all this gold behind me or or i'm not out here living trash Mm
1: -hmm. that's a great (laughs) attitude it's an admirable attitude that i would wish everybody had um were there any other uh drummers throughout all the years you know that you sort of admired you know, in popular music?
0: Well, I, uh, I'm, I I'm like this I admire all drums, all drummers because they're in the same the same trade I'm into and I respect all drummers because it's a job you know their job is to play drums if they're playing behind somebody or they're just playing for themselves you know, I, I, I don't look at one drummer being better than the other drummer it's a job and I might take a guy that be playing in the corner bar with two, with two drums. And here's a guy with 50 drums up on stage, but he ain't no better than the guy in the bar, just that he's more well-known and had his chance to be successful. But a drummer that takes up a pair of sticks, to me, deserves the same thing as, as somebody that's, that had the opportunity to have a break. I think I was, I think I was just there at the right time in the right place to be successful.
1: But you didn't have any particular favorites.
0: I've always, I've always, I've always, I won't say favorites. I've always admired uh, different drummers for what they do. You know, I look at, I look at, the, I look at the Rolling Stones. I look at the drummer. Not for how, how great they are, but for what he, the way he plays. I say he, he plays laid back. He's not a great drummer, but he plays laid back, and he's been successful. Anytime you can be successful in whatever you do, you're good. That's the way I look at it. I mean, I look at I look at Bernard Purdy. He's a great R&B, great R&B drummer. I don't compare myself to say I'm better than somebody. I look at what he does, and I'm, and you know I'm happy that he's been successful. Or I look at I mean, I got some you know I got so many drummers from back in the day from Art Blakely, Gene Cooper, Max Roach. I look at the old timers. And I look at them, and I see what they did, and I still have respect for them. And I look at the drummers today that's coming up, but I don't compare one to say one is better than the other one, or, or I don't even say that I'm better than another drummer. This is what I do. This is my style, and I've been successful at doing it. So I look at another drummer, you know, like I look at Gene Cooper. You know, I look at some of the old tapes, and and I won't say that he's uh, the best drummer. I said he's good at what he does. You know, because another drummer might be sitting, because he he might be sitting next to R. Blakely. R. Blakely is another old-timer, and he's good at what he does. So if this is your trade and you're good at it, I give you both props. But I don't have nobody that I want to say that I ever wanted to be like or play like, because once you start trying to be like somebody else, you actually lose what you got. So if i sit back and say oh man i want to play just like this guy then they won't know who, who i am so it, when i play i play me whether it's good or bad whether they like it or they don't what they say that's earl young playing not that he's the greatest drummer but that's earl young and that's Got the way i look at the a drummer. signature that's how, yeah. at, that's how i look at each drummer they've been successful I'm, you know, I'm happy for them because, they, because there's a lot of drummers that's coming up today that are great. I mean, you look at you, you look at when you go to a, a college and they have the drum line. The drum line has about maybe 10 to 15 drummers in the drum line. Each one of these drummers is, is, is going to come out of college and by a set and play drums and be maybe be successful. So there's always a drummer that's coming up, you know, it's like a, it's like a fighter, you'd be the champions, somebody come up and beat you. So you, so if you start looking at yourself as being the best, and then, and then when these little young boys come up here and whip your butt, you start saying, Jesus. So I never considered myself the greatest. I always considered myself the Earl Young groove. This is my groove and this is what I do. You take it or leave it because I know there's always going to be thousands of drummers coming up from from college mostly from college from the drum line you know each school has a drum line these guys can play I mean you could you, if you can play a drum line you learn to play I didn't learn from the drum line but most college guys that, that that's in the drum line can play mm-hmm. and most of them can read music. So when they get older, they're going to be drummers, you know. People don't look at it like that. But I know because I know, you know, when I started up, I came up through, well, a little harder than they did, but I was determined, I had determined that I was going to be great. I had that determined in, in my mind when I was a kid that I was going to be successful, and I wasn't going to let nothing stop me from being successful. The ups and the downs and little club bars I worked into where they don't pay you no mind. They turn your back, sit a beer bottle on your drums. You know, I mean, I broke these houses, man. They put a chicken sandwich on your drum while you're playing and they talking to somebody. But, but uh, you know, I came up through the hard way. I, you know, that's just, just different for me and then from a guy going to school to learn how to play. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I respect that.
1: Now, I heard that um, you're involved in a, a documentary being made. Is that true?
0: Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, we have a movie. It's going to be coming out um, early part of 21. Uh, I don't know who's going to be in it. You know, I'm thankful that, I, that I'm going to be in it. We, you know, it's, they got a closure where you really can't talk too much about things coming out, but uh, I, I'm not sure who's going to be into it, but uh, um, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm pretty excited about it because you know, when you get a certain age, people forget you, and you know, and, and, and like me being 80 years old and and they still give me that respect, you know, to me, I feel good about that because they can get some of these little. Some, you know, some of these other young guys that's been that's known on some of these drum magazines. So I feel good about being a, but, but it's a disco uh, movie. And who knows better about disco than me? You know, I lived it as a singer and I lived it as a drummer and I created the four on the floor uh, disco beat.
1: Exactly. So I'm
0: about this because, um, it's a shame you know because we, we, we had to do it like this because because of the virus, but uh um, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be good.
1: is it Netflix
0: uh, I'm not really sure I think it might be a part of HBO I'm not oh. really sure yet, but uh um, I'll know I'll know soon when they finish they're still shooting so
1: Okay. Well, we'll look forward to that for sure. And um, absolutely, they couldn't have picked a better person to be in it than yourself. Um, you know, Earl, it, you're very pragmatic about all this as we're talking. But, you know, as you look back on the whole deal, is there anything in particular that you're most proud of accomplishing? I know you mentioned the 2016 uh, Music Hall of Fame, Musicians Hall of Fame. Um, is, there, is there one thing, though, that really stands out to you? um you know it's,
0: it's always hard because because I love you know I really love you know singing I really love singing because singing takes me in front of people you know I I love that because I get to meet all kinds of all races of people all kinds of people and people that's from all over the world so that so t- to me that's that's you know I that's really, that's, that's really my everything. You know, but it's a lot, I tell you what, all, all the things I've done, there's nothing I could have, I could have never do any of this if, if, if I didn't have my wife, really, because she's been there with me since over 40 years. Mm-hmm. And she does everything for me. I mean, everything, everything, because a lot of things I I didn't even know how to do, you know, she does. Like with you and I, talking she set that
1: up yeah i thank her for that
0: <laughs> you know come yeah. in, man. Come, come, oh in, man. Come, in. <laughs> come in a minute
1: you're gonna see sonya yeah
0: this is my baby <laughs> this is my baby it's my baby hey yeah
1: that's, Hello. That's still... see ya.
0: thank you yes yeah, my manager my wife my cook I'm leaving.
1: <laughs> and everything most so, valuable player everything yeah
0: yeah yeah for 40 years so That's awesome the, the music business the music bit is you know it really have been good to me but it's only one thing that i really i i really can't quite figure out and, and because look i have i have uh, three grammys five stars i started my own my own Disco beat. I got the successful group, the, the Tramps. I got over fifty gold albums. I've had my own record company, and I still be overlooked by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I said, I, I said, and they know I'm alive, because they know my group, the Tramps, too. But uh, I, said, I said, I said, at least if they don't put me in there, they could at least nominate you know, nominate. If I was nominated i would feel like they know who i am and you know when you're not here when you're not here it doesn't mean as much to you because you ain't here you know so i don't want to be i don't want to be six feet under they say oh earl young yeah i remember him so i want to smell my flowers now so maybe you know and so things like what i'm doing with you that always helps a lot because. It's being recognized. You, you, you're getting me recognized in front of uh, some of the members uh, that belong to the, the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. So that's one of the things I would really love to be in before I leave this planet. You know, not just so much for me, but for my grandkids, and just for the fact of my accomplishments that I worked so hard to to do to be appreciated. So that's one of my goals. That one day, you know, I would hope to uh, be inducted into that. You know, I was talking to the the uh, Joe Chambers at Nashville in the Musicians Hall of Fame, and there's a thing called the riff that they're thinking about uh, inducting me in. It's, the riff is when you have a special gift that you do on a record that nobody else does, and they give that award out to, uh, you know and a lot of other artists so they was talking about uh putting me up for that next year you know which i hope because that would be an honor that would be an honor because that's something i created my own for on the floor so i'm looking forward that um, if they vote me in on something like that that would be another a, a great achievement to me also
1: well if i had a vote you definitely have it but i think that this show and things like this will hopefully help in that way so
0: well you, you
1: you're the man come on yeah you know. <laughs> yeah and yeah. I, I want I want to correct an error I I think I said Sonia instead of Sylvia I want to make sure I get that right your yeah, respect so to your you wife mean. Sylvia so thank you to her um and um you know is there a way people can uh you know keep in touch with what you're up to uh
0: what would be the best way best. yeah well I'm Ma'am. I'm a, I guess, a longtime member of Facebook. I think I started it. I've been on it so long, but, uh, but I have a, a Tram featuring Earl Young on Facebook. Everybody, you, you know, usually hit me on there under the Tram. So he's my main page, Earl Young. And if they if, if they hit me on there as a, you know, I'll talk to them and I'll answer whatever questions they have. And uh, especially, especially the fan, the fan page there with the Tam speech and Earl Young. They ask me a question, I will answer. It. If there's a wrong question, I'll delete it. That's fair. <laughs> but uh, you know, basically, you know, that's, you know, that's that's me right there. I, I'm I'm always Facebook because I can socialize with people and and be direct, you know, talking to them because. There's, there's not many people around from Philadelphia, Sound Soundful Philadelphia anymore. So a lot of people ask me questions about back in the day because there is nobody else left gambling up Tommy Bell. So they ask me a lot on Facebook, and I, you know, if I know thing you know, I tell them. I'll, I'll answer the, the questions. But people ask me, well, how did it, you know, how did it Sound of get started, or how did it, you know, you know, sometimes it's some stupid questions, but. uh I will them. I, I answer them anyway, because yeah. like to me, that's like part of my family. And they might be somebody that really wants to, you know, to know. Then I got a lot of other people that just ask me questions just to be asked and something, you know. Yeah. But uh, it's all fun, though. It's all it's all fun, man. And Facebook is like a family.
1: Well, you know, thank you for sharing so much history with me uh, during this. And, you know, you were uh, requested by viewers to, to be on Truth and Rhythm. So, you know, very oh, yeah. glad to have oh, been able great. to get you. Yeah. I
0: have to thank them for that. Thank you very much, everybody out there. I appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> My best to everybody out there. And please wear your mask and stay safe.
1: Absolutely. And you stay safe too. And thanks for bringing us all those great beats and, and those songs and everything all these years. Thank you, Earl.
0: Thanks, God. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me.
1: My pleasure. Take good care. Hey, back at Truth and Rhythm headquarters. Thank you for joining us on another magical ride with Truth and Rhythm. Whether you're watching or listening, as always, thank you so much for your continued interest and support. Be sure to subscribe. Go to YouTube. Go to the Funkin' Stuff channel. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives and breathes and thrives. Also goodies here like TIR Quick Takes. And if you subscribe, you know what? You get the show before anyone else. It's free. If you love jazz, funk, R&B, soul, you can't miss it. Pass it along. Tell a friend, tell family. This audience is growing and it is a beautiful thing. All coming together for the love of this great music. Also, if you can throw us a buck or two, we could use the support financially, keeping the lights on, keeping the servers going, all these expenses. If you can help support the program, whatever you can give, much appreciated. Go to the FunkinStuff.net website. On the right-hand side of every page, you just click and you can donate through PayPal, credit card, whatever. Very easy to do and so much appreciated. And if you do a sizable donation, I will mention you on the program. Also drop me a line. Email me at scottg at Let me know who else you'd like to see on the show, what you enjoy about the music. Let's just kibitz and uh, talk about stuff, you know, talk music. You'll find that I respond very quickly, and I much enjoy the uh, rapport and the camaraderie and the interaction. Always remember, this is your show, The True Music Lover. So for now, that's all the time we have for this one. It's a wrap. As always, Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.